Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting to over 60 countries. From the middle of the third most important centre in the world for entrepreneurs and startups and angels and VCs and incubators, Silicon Beach in Los Angeles, California. This is where technology and entertainment intersect. And I want to thank you all very much for making us the number one business radio on the show. <laughs> I want to thank you for making us the number one radio business show in the world. For entrepreneurs, I really appreciate it. Have you ever wanted to visit um, Tokyo or Leningrad? Or how about the moon? Is that still too close? How about Mars or Venus? Maybe you want to pilot an F-15 or ride in a roller coaster that literally defies the laws of gravity. Or perhaps you just want to watch movies on a 300-foot screen. With new virtual reality technology, all of these things will soon become possible. Well, virtual reality's previously been, I guess, somewhat of a pipe dream, um, pretty much reserved for video game developers and R&D specialists of some companies. 2016 is going to be the year where virtual reality actually comes a reality for the average consumer. If virtual reality really takes off this year, as is predicted, everything from gaming to video entertainment to medical procedures to all forms of commerce, they'll all change. Virtual reality has been an idea in developers and other people's heads for over 10 years. Well, with virtual reality, you just strap it onto your head. VR hardware mostly works through headsets and accompanying earphones and hand controllers. And this technology will completely submerge you in the world shown on the screen. Some forms of the technology already exist. Google Cardboard. I don't know whether you've seen Google Cardboard. It's very cool. It's um, literally a cardboard cutout that folds into a headset and uses your cell phone as a screen. It sounds really cheap and amateurish, which of course to some degree it is, but it's still fantastic. I was fortunate enough to be able to try it at Metal a couple of weeks ago, and it was really great. Google Cardboard's compatible with most Android phones. I'm thinking about the... um, the company, they sit down and they say, let's create this great set of um, virtual reality glasses head out of um, out of cardboard. What do we call it? Oh, why don't we call it Google Cardboard? you think they'd come up with some trick, clever, fantastic name for it, wouldn't you? But no. Um, Google's encouraging developers to release apps using the technology. Google 360 allows viewers to have a VR experience of Google Maps and a good number of VR video games like Insurgent VR and um, Zombie Shooter VR. They're already on the market. And in a somewhat controversial move, New York Times subscribers in the US recently received a Google Cardboard cutout with their Sunday paper. Well, that's taking it to the masses, isn't it? They also got directions to watch a 3D VR video through the New York Times website, announcing that the future of journalism will likely involve virtual reality. But Google Cardboard's just the beginning. Um, A few years ago, probably about, I don't know, 20, um, the company that I was employed with sent me to... Canada to work on a camera and presentation of 
the news in 3D. So we spent a long time, we thought news in 3D would be great. You imagine a car crash or a whatever, it's all in 3D. We thought that would be very cool. But um, we couldn't quite get it to work, but we got awful close. So now VR news is right upon us. There's at least two more VR devices in the making that are due to come out in 2016 and whose VR experience all promised to run laps around anything you can achieve with your phone and a cardboard cutout. The Facebook-owned venture Oculus Rift um, represents the most, what what has been the most anticipated device for VR enthusiasts after much speculation and delays. Facebook started delivering it um, the Xbox-compatible headset, I think, a couple of weeks ago. An Oculus Rift runs at about 600 bucks, I think. So Oculus Rift comes with a pair of integrated headphones designed to maximise the VR experience, and it also comes with an Xbox controller, although Oculus is also designing its own headset to be fully integrated with the technology. Oculus has also announced a partnership with Microsoft, and the two companies promise that streaming and gaming will be seamlessly available on the Rift through an Xbox or Windows 10 platform. Many think both console and PC gaming will be revolutionised by this technology. I hope so. But Xbox will not be the only gaming platform offering VR in the near future. Sony's developed the headset, formerly known only as Project Morpheus, and it recently revealed under the name of PSVR. The headset's compatible with PlayStation is also due to be released in the next couple of months with high-definition graphics, ultra-sensitive motion detectors and integrated sound systems. The technology will likely also usher in its own set of dedicated 3D VR games. PSVR should be out in October and it's going to run at about 400 bucks. A third VR headset that was recently released is HTC's Vive. Built with a gyro sensor and an accelerometer. I'm not sure what the hell an accelerometer is. I'll see if I can find out. But I'm sure everybody listening probably knows what it is, but an accelerometer. It's a great word. I love it. The HTC Vive differs from the Oculus Rift in that it uses laser sensors to track your motion instead of a camera on the headset. It also comes with its own wireless hand controls. So although virtual reality will inevitably face some challenges, not the least of which I guess is the 400, 500, 600 bucks, the fact that important changes are coming, and it's really exciting. I mean, it's a really major step forward. And with three high-power headsets developed by leaders in the industry, all coming onto the market pretty much at the same time. There's sure to be a boom of new dedicated applications from gaming to 3D movies. And, of course, it's going to affect a hell of a lot more than just entertainment. The uh, possible applications are really diverse as alternate universes become available inside the world of a VR headset. Travel industry, that's one that comes to mind quickly that will be profoundly changed offering voyages to different parts of the world by just downloading an app it's a hell of a lot better than sitting on a plane and um, getting jet lag you'll be there much faster like if I want to go to Sydney I just whack on my 3D headset rather than sit on a plane for 16 hours and uh, so you'll be there much faster and the best part of all Yeah, as I mentioned, there's no jet lag, and that's got to be cool. In a completely different field, NPR's reported how nuclear scientists use virtual reality technology to train for emergency scenarios that would be difficult or even impossible to reproduce otherwise. I know that um, virtual reality is being used in medical applications and real estate developers developers will soon be using VR technology to make tours easier and more 
efficient of, of properties. And as the technology improves, its applications will also. Use of VR seems to be almost endless and easy to imagine. I mean, think about um, education in virtual environments. I mean, it's a great way to educate people and make it interesting. Defence training, engineering, virtual factories, healthcare, communications, you name it, it's going to be so much easier, so much more effective. And all that's missing is for the technology to be widely available. And that is on its way. So watch out for virtual reality to literally change the world and how we live it. I just wanted to mention, um, I bought a piece of art a few weeks ago, quite a few weeks ago, probably about five, and I bought it through a great company called Artfinder. They are fantastic, and they, they're sort of the intermediary between the artist, I mean, this is real art, it's not printed, and uh, so Artfinder, the go-between between the artist and the consumer. Well, bought a piece of art which we thought was going to fit where we we wanted it for a very specific purpose, but when we got it, it didn't fit. You know, it just wasn't quite right for the right for the space, and so um, we decided. And we were travelling a lot; we always travel, so we decided that we would. Um, return it and when we went to return it first of all it's not easy um, and we were four days late by the time we'd actually filled in all the paperwork and we'd been away and we came back and we filled in the paperwork and set it in so we were four days late and uh, so we started dealing with Artfinder and they were great I mean they've been terrific they've really tried very hard to talk to the artist. And the artist is Andrada Andhel, A-N-D-H-E-L, and uh, somewhere in Canada. And so we started dealing backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards to return this piece of art. And it took five weeks from when we reported that we want to return it until we got any sort of answer whatsoever from the artist. And all this time, Artfinder were really trying hard. So this week, I just want to talk about Artfinder and how good they were. And next week, I'll talk about Andrada and Hell, A-N-D-H-E-L, and tell you how bad she was. Now, I got a note yesterday from Artfinder which said, thank you so much for your message and your kind words of understanding. I mean, we were, we were understanding with Artfinder. Haven't been quite so understanding with this Andrada person. Um, but they said, Thanks very much for your message and kind words of understanding. We're a small team based in London, working extra hard to make authentic art accessible to everyone. It uh, means dealing with thousands of independent artists who are amazing at creating art but are not necessarily good at customer service. Well, you can say that again. <coughs> this Andrada person, blah. And this is why they're investing heavily in some of the best in-class customer service to make art as easy to buy and as possible. So we're very proud of our customer service and we always strive to put things right for our customers and artists alike. We already offer some of the best return policies as well as ability to pay in instalments and for everyone the ability to contact artists directly and negotiate prices as well. 
and they say they've got a lot more in the pipeline, but they're not going to reveal it all just yet. Well, I do have to say that they've been terrific. Um, Artfinder customer experience, a person named Mikel, hmm, he's going to be unhappy with me. It, I think it's um, probably Czech. Chesesny? Anyway, he knows who he is, and he's fantastic. So um, they've invited us to um, meet with their CEO when their CEO comes to LA from the UK. And uh, so I just wanted to mention them because great customer service is very hard to find. So I just wanted to say, Art Finder, your customer service is fantastic. It's a pity about Andrada and Hell, but we'll talk about her next week. Now, if you're a regular listener to this program, you'll know that I was recently appointed the Honorary President of the American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management, which is the premier organisation for business in the US. And if you're serious about improving your skill level, your status and your network, you should join today. Apart from being able to put the initials AISMM after your name, and I have did that about 12, 14 years ago, and you get a great plaque for your foyer or your boardroom. So if you're into having a great plaque on your wall, this is for you. But there's a wealth of the latest information, complete business audits, webinars, a 26-person advisory board that's the best on the planet. I mean, it's really cool. So go to AISMM, A-I-S-M-M, and join now. I also want to tell you in the next couple of weeks about um, a couple of products that I have come across. Uh, one is um, an app that allows you to directly put um, corporate logos into SMSs and emails. And you think of the many billions of SMSs and emails that um, are sent every day. This is a great app. It's um, really well, well patented and covered. And I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about an engine that I came across. It's by a company called Advanced Engine Dynamics. This engine is quite remarkable. It's, um, you know, a one-litre engine, 10% of the conventional weight and size of an engine, but the torque per size litre and weight is phenomenal, phenomenal. So... We're going to talk about that either next week or the week after. They're great. They're both fantastic inventions or, um, yeah, I suppose they're inventions. And uh, I wanted to let you know about them. My guest today is David Saxby. David's a real catalyst to innovation for people across the world. He's um, a marketing communication consultant and an entrepreneur, and he has been for 30 years. He delivers practical, thought-provoking solutions. That these, these solutions just drive individuals and teams to become better at um, adapting, creating, and innovating. And they're the three things you want in a company today, right? And he achieves unparalleled success with, um, with the customers that he has. He's built seven companies from startup, and he's led several of them through major recessions. And today he's the driving force behind Spark Communications, Spark Communications, and three other business ventures. And I'll be back with David immediately after this short break on the Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. 
Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Now, this is the segment of the show where we give you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting business people. You know, what they do, how they do it, what challenges they've faced, and we try to find out what makes them tick. You know, it's extremely difficult to create a successful business, and uh, we all need all the help we can get. And that's why it's important to have mentors and to listen to shows like this and take on board what successful people say. And it's also it also helps to um, buy business books about certain business people. I, You've got to pick your mark. I mean, if you buy um, a book by, say, Jack Welsh, who it's all about, you know, how you run a billion, multi-billion dollar company that has thousands of employees, you're probably not going to get a lot of knowledge out of it. But, um, you know, buy books from, from people who started at the ground floor and have built their way up to a modest business and you'll learn a hell of a lot. You know, everybody faces the same challenges. It doesn't matter whether you've developed a new app or a, some medical equipment or whether you're opening a, um, a shoeshine store. Everybody has the same challenges. And everybody thinks that when they open their store or open their product, it's so different that people are going to beat a path to their door and they'll be enormously successful. But um, 99%. Of all businesses fail or people only just make wages and the majority of those are good ideas so it's not the ideas that fail it's the management that fails so that's why it's important to um, observe and listen to those who have overcome the challenges that we all face my interview today is with David Saxby he's a catalyst to innovation for clients across the globe and he's a really good bloke Apart from being a Canadian, he's still a good bloke. As a marketing communications consultant and an entrepreneur for over 30 years, David delivers practical, thought-provoking solutions that drive individuals and team to become better at adapting, creating, and innovating. And he's helped a hell of a lot of people achieve unparalleled success. David's built seven companies from the start-up, and led several of them through major recessions. Today, he's a driving force behind Spark Communications and three other business ventures. You know, companies go to David when they need to improve productivity, communications, and all sorts of companies quite across a wide range of industries have used his expertise. He's a very popular speaker, as you can imagine. He's a co-author of four books. He's frequently quoted in uh, leading publications. And he's been a guest on uh, numerous TV programs and blog talk, etc. David, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on the Voice America Business Network. How are you? I'm excellent. Thanks, Bob. Uh, Looking forward to our conversation today. Now, being located here where I am, which is sort of in this epicenter of Silicon Beach, we hear a lot of talk about creativity and innovation, and often the two of them are interchanged, and what's the difference between creativity and innovation? 
Well, my take on it uh, comes from my background, uh, basically in the advertising industry, starting out as a creative guy, and and uh, creativity basically is the generation of ideas. It's coming up with as many ideas as possible, whereas innovation is actually taking ideas and implementing them. Right. And the challenge for a lot of businesses is that they um, have a hard time um, going from that stage to actually implementing them, and then even a harder challenge with sustaining them, keeping them going. And uh, that's the challenge in business today with everything changing so rapidly. And uh, what's interesting is um, a Business Week uh, article um, highlighted an interview with uh, a number of executives, and they said that 72% of executives interviewed stated that innovation was one of their top three criteria in their business. But on the flip side of that, a majority of them said that they were unhappy with the results. And, And I think the challenge is that oftentimes encouraging their people to be more innovative is is difficult. Yeah, and I guess you've got to be able to, I, I, the bigger the company is, the more difficult it is to be innovative because you've got all these systems and you've invested so much in all the software and all the rest of it that if somebody comes up with a, an innovative idea, no matter how good it is, um, if it's sort of outside the boundaries that they deem realistic, they won't go ahead with it. Um, and of course, we know that if you're a taxi company and somebody comes in, one of your employees comes in and says, hey, I've got this great idea uh, to how, so how we can improve our taxi business. And the boss says, no, nah, Jesus, it's pretty expensive. We're going to have to redo this and redo that. And then along comes Uber and puts them out of business because they didn't do it. So being really disruptive is very difficult, isn't it, inside a company? Oh, definitely. And, and I think uh, you hit the nail on the head, and Uber is a great example, because what's happening in the business world in general is that we're Uberizing everything. Everything is changing rapidly. If we, we look at uh, the hotel business, Airbnb is an Uber type of company where it changes the model of the hotel business. And, you know, almost every industry has experienced this. Um, the challenge for most businesses, I think, is that as you climb in the corporate ladder and become higher and higher in the management or perhaps even be the boss of the company, um, fear gets in the way. Yeah. And the challenge, the challenge with that is, of course, that uh, fear of failure or fear of uh, loss of face or a uh, fear of not knowing all the answers prevents us from taking those risks. And uh, on top of that, um, fear of change, as you say, we get all this this uh, process in place and somebody comes along and says, we need to change that. Well, <laughs> my expression is the only person who likes change is a baby with a wet diaper. Yeah. And so <laughs> and there's, it's great. <laughs> there's probably something comforting in that too, probably. <laughs> so, David, what is it that prevents people and, and business? What's the most important reason that people and businesses aren't more innovative? Is it the lack of incentive? I mean, if I'm, if I'm working for a big company and I come up with a barn burner idea that saves the company millions and millions of dollars, um, the boss shouts me a nice lunch, tells me how wonderful I am, and then two weeks later fires me because they're retrenching people and they've got your idea. Is that part of the reason that people don't want to give away good ideas or they don't feel motivated to give away good ideas? Oh, I I think that could be a a fair chunk of it. Um, I I think the other thing is we're so focused on today's world and getting everything done today and meeting our deadline, especially in this economic condition where we're short on the people resources, short on the money resources, and short on the time resources. And and so, uh, you know, actually people sometimes get in the way. And and, uh, recall a a movie called What About Bob, where it was Bill Murray and and Richard Dreyfuss, and Bill Murray was the patient who becomes the psychiatrist. And and one of the lines in the movie is a a great uh, line for when it comes to dealing with people. And he says, I treat people like telephones. If it's not working, I hang up and try again. Yeah. the challenge with people these days is, is that they get a system and process in place and they're afraid to change it. And, and more so, they're afraid to communicate with people and say that something's going to change. 
And uh, so I, I think that's one of the areas. Another one is that we also, as adults, we, we um, learn certain habits or certain patterns and we have what's called the uh, cognitive biases or, or thinking biases. Yep. Yep. And uh, so one of those is, is um, confirmation bias. Does everybody else think like me? Yeah. Uh, another one is, of course, the corporations get caught up in this, uh, is the bandwagon effect. And that is if everybody else is doing that, well, we should be doing that. Yeah. And uh, that's not innovation. That's copycat type approach to business. And, and um, much so, business is copycat, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah. That's And, and that's one of the challenges that unless you can actually Uberize a business, um, where do you make the biggest difference in, in the business and dealing with customers and, and uh, you know, creating new business? And that's in the area of marketing and sales. At least that's my take on it is that, you know, the way we communicate our business to the market makes a difference as to the customers we attract, the people that will buy our products or services, especially if they're same as everybody else's. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think the other issue in that regard is, is that people tend to leap on board with uh, the bright, shiny object, and today it's social media. Everybody thinks that they can uh, abandon traditional marketing approaches because social media is now out there and it's free. Yeah. And uh, well, well, we all know how, well, how much time it takes to... <laughs> it's, also yeah. not, it's also not free. Um, but just, no. step, just stepping back, your average, it seems to me that in a company, let's say you've got a company with a thousand employees, um, and let's say a production company, I'm sure that a majority of your employees could add an improvement to the production line, how you store your product, how you move it, how you provide um, the product, distribute the products to your um, resellers or whatever. I'm sure that most of the employees in the plant or in the business could probably offer some meaningful suggestions, but they don't. So what does a company have to do to get people to say, wow, you know, I've got this idea, I'll put it forward to management and hopefully they'll see the wisdom in it. What do you got to do? What's the company got to do? Well, I think uh, they need to adapt some new skill sets and, and those skill sets are skill sets that innovative companies and innovative individuals um, use. And uh, one of the first ones is, is observing. And when I say observing, I, I don't talk about the average every day, just look around, but I'm talking about observe what's going on in your own industry, observe what the trends are with, with your industry and your customers. And also look outside of your industry and start looking around for innovative ideas in other industries and how you might be able to adapt or uh, integrate those with your own company. And, and that was one of the reasons um, I was able to take a small business to a large business in the, about a year and a half as we saw three trends going on. One was that the advertising industry was, was dying on the commission basis, which went from 15% sure. down to sometimes 2%. Um, the second one was clients were looking for services all contained in one company. Yep. They didn't want to shop around outside the market. Sure. Third one was was the fact that, uh, especially in our market in, in Alberta, Western Canada, um, professionals were able to advertise for the first time. Yes. So we changed our business model from professional or from commission-based to a professional-based model which was fee-for-service, and that's how we grew the company, just observing what was going on. Right. Um, so, so the second skill set is what we call associating. And um, a, a technique that I've often used with working with businesses is what I call catalytic combinations. And that's taking two ideas that don't seem to go together but actually work once you do that. And um, we've seen that in many, many situations where we put two businesses together and all of a sudden a brand new entity comes about. And probably one of the oldest stories, especially in the franchising world, is the McDonald's idea. Yeah. And how it came about. Um, the third technique is what I call questioning. And that is just asking the right questions. And, and one of the things that typically happens is, is a person that's a novice that knows nothing about your business will oftentimes ask questions about the business or the model or the production, et cetera, 
And so businesses should ask better questions. And a real good example of that is uh, Michelin, the tire business. Right. Um, for years, they've been asking the question, how do we keep the air in the tires? Yep. And uh, until one day, one of the engineers said, well, what if we don't need air? And yep. so they created a, a thing called the Twheel, which was rubber spokes um, around, uh, covered by a rubber tread around the outside. So it flexed, didn't need air. Yeah. Um, fourth technique is what, what we call networking. And uh, networking is just um, taking other ideas and, and putting them together with what you're doing. And a, a real good example of that in uh, Canada, actually, was a company called Gold Corp. Um, the president of the, the company had a mine in Ontario that was not performing. It was underperforming. Um, shares were, were down because the people wouldn't invest in a mine that was losing money. Yep. And uh, he happened at a conference uh, in the States where he found out about the Linux process and how, how yep. Linux is an open source. Open source, yep. um, yeah. open source model. And what happened was he realized that if he could go out to the market in general and get input from different angles and different people, some people not even in the mining business, he was able to uh, find out where they might tap into the resources where the gold is. And sure enough, took a, a mine that was close to closing because they couldn't find the gold to a multi-million dollar, in fact, billion dollar corporation. And to this day, they still have um, great success. And, and one of the things with that is he did what was not uh, typical in that industry because uh, in that industry, they don't usually share data about where the mine um, yeah. sources are. Sure. And, uh, yeah, so the, the fifth skill is what we call cross-training. And uh, in, in the Olympics, they used to train their athletes, well, they still do, train their athletes uh, in different sports. So they build up different muscle um, processes and different uh, thinking processes, which helps them in their sport. Right. And Apple also did a similar thing in their business where they took people from one department of the company and put them into another uh, department to observe what went on and figure out what happened in the whole process of building their products. And that's one of the reasons why they had such great success. Yeah, and, and you, have, you develop much stronger um, intercompany relationships and put tear down the silos and it's too many silos in too many businesses. But going back to marketing and sales for a minute, um, Today, if, if, if it seems to me that one of the problems is that um, people think, okay, we've got to do, we know that traditional advertising doesn't work. We need to do um, get into social media, and they throw out everything to do with traditional media. Well, you know, I talk about um, if you want to, if you're communicating with somebody, doesn't matter whether you're communicating in an advertisement or on a billboard or in an email or a letter or whatever, there are 10 rules that you need to follow. And if you follow those 10 rules, your advertisement will be successful or your communication will be successful. But people don't do that anymore. They don't sit down and go through the steps that work. You say to somebody, you know, did you take into account NLP? And they go, what? I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. You know, so um, they think new media is cheaper, so therefore um, they cut a lot of their budgets. But new media, I had an SEO guy on the program last week who said that if you're going to do SEO, doesn't matter what size, even if you're a single person, um, and you've got a business, and today, you know, with uh, Google changing the algorithms and things every five minutes, if you want to get good SEO, it's going to cost you five grand a month. Um, and most people sort of take SEO as, you know, they they do half a dozen really simple things that the pseudo experts tell them, and none of them work. Um, so... A lot of companies, when it comes to marketing and sales, have opted into new media as a way of saving money rather than a way of better communication, research, and all the rest of the things you can do with it. Well, yeah, and that gets back to, I think, some of the fundamentals of, of marketing. Yeah. And, um, you know, the social media is a tool in the toolbox. It's a That's tactic. Right. 
Exactly. The challenge for most businesses is that they need to think strategy first. Yep. And then once they know what their strategy is and how to reach their market, then they're able to figure out what tactics to use. Yeah. So which media, whether it's traditional or social media, et cetera. Second thing is um, they need to have a unique product or service. And if they're in the Me Too market where their product or service is the same as everybody else, then they need to differentiate that service by yep. the story that they tell. If you don't do that, you're going to compete on price, and if you compete on price, you make less profit, and if you make less profit, sooner or later, you disappear up your own ass, don't you? Well, exactly, and and the challenge uh, for, from that perspective is that if uh, everything else is equal, then price is the only option. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, so that's how the customer sees it. So I, I think there's a few things that in the strategy process, people need to have the right audience. Um, the second one, a unique way to attract attention. So a good, strong brand with a message um, and be able to possess, position that message in the mind of the customer so that they are standing out from everybody else's product and picking the right media and then having the right timing. And I, and I think that's the fundamentals of marketing going back to the grassroots. And it doesn't matter whether it's traditional media or new media, um, social media, et cetera, until you know what your strategy is, you're probably bound to fail. Absolutely. Um, and I think you've also got to realize that millennials are different. Millennials do care about the planet. They do care about their community. Um, they're not as motivated by price as people that might be a little older. Um, and there's a hell of a lot, hell of, a lot of them. And um, you need to, um, you know, take into account the changes that are taking place in in society. I think one of the problems is that the people who run most legacy businesses are 50 plus. Oh, very true. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think from that perspective too, is we have to recognize when we're building a team and we're trying to develop new innovative thinking in a company or even a new strategy for marketing is, is we need to have different styles of people, different uh, styles of innovators in our organization. So there's really a four fundamental styles um, from an innovative perspective in dealing with different types of people. One is the creator. They're the ones that develop the idea, yep. maybe not great at executing it. Second one is what we call an advancer, and that's a person that can take the idea forward and flesh it out and get it moving. The third one is the refiner who gets into figuring out how it actually works and, and where they can make a profit or where they can make changes so that it's successful. Yeah. And then the last style is an executor. And whether you're a millennial or whether you're um, a boomer, uh, you need a team that has those styles in it so that each person can contribute and give a different perspective on the idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, new media is interesting because it is such an extremely valuable tool, and yet uh, I think, unfortunately, most CEOs and marketing managers don't know enough about how new media works. It is complicated. It's much more com complicated than buying an advertisement in a newspaper. Um, but... And I think they fall for the trick like they did with CRM. CRM um, was supposed to be a way of developing relationship with your customers. And in fact, it, it ended up being a way for companies to cut heads. Um, <laughs> you know, the emphasis changed from building great relationships with your customers as to, well, this is a great technology tool. I can replace two people. Yeah, exactly. And again, that, that comes down to that's a tactic versus versus a strategy. Exactly. And, um, and I think there's another component of this whole process of innovation as well. And that is, you know, we basically have um, three areas where our company can be successful and, and thrive in. One is the business itself and the products and services we have. Yeah. Um, the second one is the people that we hire. Um, and the third one is the experience we create. And, and so um, one of the things that we have to recognize is that people work for a company because they have a good experience. People stay with a company because of that. Customers also will be attracted to a company or a product or a service because they've had a good experience. Yes. Because they've, they've been involved with the company and every time that they go back to the company and buy another product or service, they're happy with it. 
it also it also helps if the company shares your values very much so yeah the values have to be in common exactly if if, uh, somebody's price conscious and the company's a luxury uh, provides a luxury product or service there's a disconnect sure the experience is. is not going to be what the customer expects and the result is you're not going to have a long-term customer. So I'm out there, I'm listening to the program, and I'm saying, yeah, that's all right. Most of the stuff you talk about sounds to me like it's for big companies. So I'm only a little company. I've only got 20 people or 15 people working for me or something. Um, what can I do to make my 15 people think more creatively and more innovatively? Is it simply just fiscal rewards or is there more to it? Oh, definitely more to it. I I think people come to a company and stay with the company because of what I was just talking about, which was the the, uh, experience that they have in the environment. Um, I I think for a a corporate leader in a small company, being able to allocate uh, some resources, um, time and money and people towards developing new ideas and creating that culture where people in, in the company can thrive off of developing ideas and implementing them or innovating. Yep. Um, they've got to hire creative people and, and allow those people to take a risk. And sometimes they're going to fail. And, and um, there was a, um, a person in the speaking business many, many years ago that said, fail and fail often, yep. um, but learn the lesson and move forward. And so I think also, as I mentioned before, is bring in different people with different styles of thinking so that you've got a complete um, process and then train and coach those people and give them new input as to how they can develop their ideas even more and, and become more successful and then measure what happens and adjust and don't just quit because things have failed. I think they need to move forward by looking at what worked, what didn't work, and then adjust and adapt. So how do I train myself to be more creative and more innovative? How do I, in my daily work, um, look at problems differently? Um, And I'll lead off by saying that... um, a few years ago, I had quite a sizable marketing company um, in LA, and uh, before I got wise and realised that I'm paying people 365 days a year for <laughs> when December, January are dead, and you know a few other dead spots, and got tired of the headaches of looking after so many people, um, we used to play music. And we used to change the music regularly, like every five minutes. So you'd play five minutes of Led Zeppelin and then you'd play five minutes of Mozart and then you'd play five minutes of the Beach Boys and you'd play five minutes of somebody else. And you found that, um, or we found that people thought differently with different music in different music environments. And we used it to, um, to stimulate I guess you stimulate atmosphere and therefore people feel better and but the, the different types of music does change the way people think. What other ideas? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, and, and getting back to the music aspect of things, too, um, studies have, been, uh, have proven that uh, music does influence people's thinking and, and actually um, develops thinking. There was a test a number of years ago at university where they took students in one area and didn't do anything before they entered into an exam, and um, and then they took a group and they played uh, classical music, which yep. apparently connects to the same binaural beats that's in our brain. So there's a pattern there that helps encourage thinking. And uh, those students actually performed 15% better than the students that did nothing when it came to exams. So that's one way. Um, some other ways is to, to look at how we can encourage our thinking differently than how the corporate world thinks. And in the corporate world, we tend to think from a logic perspective. Logic and rational um, is what gets measured, it's what gets rewarded. And, and I think when we're working with a team of people, we have to look at the soft skills side of things too, or the yeah. right brain side of things. So if we can think about our left brain as the implementation part of our brain and the right part of our brain as the 
um, side that uh, develops and stimulates ideas and creates change, then what we need to do is switch our skills back and forth from left brain to right brain and develop new thinking. Um, and one of the techniques that has been around for many, many years but still works today is what we call mind mapping, where yeah. we're able to plot out an idea and then use left and right brain skills simultaneously to develop our thinking. Yeah. So those, those are a couple of ways. And I think um, some of the skills that I mentioned earlier, the six skills about um, uh, developing our thinking, observing, associating, questioning, networking, and cross-training. And the last one that we didn't talk about was experimenting. And, yep. and that is, I think, a key also in business, not just for scientific businesses, but any business is the ability to be able to experiment. And uh, probably one of the, the leaders in the forefront of the business world in that area is Richard Branson and Virgin uh, yeah. Group of Companies um, doing things like, for instance, taking uh, bio uh, fuel and mixing it with airline fuel. Yeah. So um, taking coconut oil as an example and, and blending it in to create lower emissions and better efficiency and uh, achieve some success in that area. I think one so of the other, those are some of the things they can do. Well, I think one of the big problems is it goes back to um, to education, in that we we keep focusing on STEM, and if you're an artist or you're a musician or whatever, you you get told that okay, that's all right, do that in your spare time, but you've got to have one of these STEM educations, and uh, it seems to me that we try to beat creativity out of people and put them into these narrow tunnels of STEM where really it should be STEAM and the th fourth letter in that should be arts um, because yeah. I, do, I, I do think our education just beats the crap out of being creative. Well, and I would tend to agree with you. I think, uh, you know, a good example of that is when we're in school, we, we learn very quickly that there's only one right answer to any, yeah. any problem that we're faced with. So as soon as we get the right answer, we quit. Yep. And, and I think the issue with that is we learn to start thinking, okay, I'll just need to come up with one idea and that's it. I'm done. Yep. And I get rewarded. Yep. And, and uh, um, there was um, read an article many, many years ago and it said the new MBA um, business administration will be an MFA or a master of fine arts. Yeah. And so that's taking the skill sets of an artist and blending it together with the business thinking so that we can achieve better results. Good idea. David, we're out of time. It's great to speak to you again. Um, thanks very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, if you'd like to know more about David Saxby, and uh, he's a great guy to bring into your company if you want to um, be more creative, more innovative, communicate better and grow that business of yours, go to Spark Communications. That's sparkcommunications.com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business after this short break. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business radio show which is coming to you today from Voice America Business Channel, the number one global business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs, and we're broadcasting from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, where technology meets entertainment. Over the last 10 years or so, I've worked with startups and early-stage companies to help entrepreneurs develop and run successful businesses. For the 30 or so years before that, I worked for the big global corporations and um, decided that I'd give something back by helping small businesses. And this radio show is about providing news, information and tips to help you know more about what business is about. And, uh, you know, entrepreneurs have got to wear a number of hats 
to be successful. It's extremely difficult, and we all can't be great at everything. So I want to help you identify the gaps in your expertise and to give you some news. Now, despite being the most popular content provider in the United States, Netflix's growth has stalled in the US for the current quarter the online video streaming giant only added 2.2 million new subscribers as compared to 2.28 million in the same quarter last year. But it's got 81.5 million subscribers, 58% of whom are in the United States. The recent dollar a month price hike could also backfire on American and the company might lose subscribers and uh, Netflix is just going to have to introduce new content to attract more subscribers to the network. Slow growth in the US has been eclipsed by the performance in international countries where they're generating more revenue and getting new subscribers. However, the international arena has its own set of issues. The content available for the US audience differs from what's offered overseas, which forces its international subscribers to use VPN to access the content of their choice. And just a couple of years ago, there was no other content provider who could match Netflix. But recently, Amazon, Hulu, Showtime and HBO, they're all competing in the same market and they're all trying to create the largest content library on their portal. Netflix plans to increase its original programming from 450 hours to 600 this year. To compete, HBO is also increasing its program hours to 600 hours through um, HBO Now and HBO Go. Amazon launched its Prime Video service yesterday, which will cost users $8.99 a month, and it's separated from the it's separate from the Prime subscription that costs ten ninety nine a month. Um, the Prime Video service is cheaper than Netflix by a buck. And uh, if Amazon can beef up its content library and have all original content, you know, there's a rough chance it could dethrone Netflix as the king of TV streaming and probably in the pretty near future. Now, I'm always talking about the need for entrepreneurs to surround themselves with mentors, but how do you select the right mentors? I want to give you a few tips so that you can get the right team behind you. Over the past 30 years, I've been lucky to cross paths with a number of great people who complemented my weaknesses and uh, became mentors to me and taught me absolutely invaluable lessons. There are also several other people that I speak to every once in a while. We exchange ideas and share knowledge. They're also like mentors. So there's seven things I've learned about um, finding a mentor and we're not going to get through them tonight but I might start it off firstly before you start thinking about finding a mentor you need to fully understand your industry you really need to know it backwards you need to carefully evaluate all the disciplines that you need in your business and in your manage you know management HR business strategy marketing financial social media advertising and a whole bunch more and determine where your strengths and weaknesses are So in addition to a firm knowledge of your field, you need to understand how a successful business operates. And you want to do this before you find a mentor. It's important to bring something substantial onto the table before you approach potential mentors. Secondly, work on your emotional intelligence. Because of the informal nature of mentorships, you need emotional intelligence if you want to find a mentor. You'll spend considerable time with them, and because it's informal, and at the end of the day, it all comes down to likability. So you need to demonstrate likability, transparency, integrity. So don't try to be somebody you're not. Don't think you know it all. Be honest and humble, and don't try too hard. And I'll run through the other few next week. In the meanwhile, remember... If you're not really pushing the envelope, if you don't get out every morning and determined to do something bigger and better than you did today, and you're not living on the edge, you're just taking up way too much space. So get out of the way and let somebody who wants to get achieve get past you. You know, it's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. 
This is Bob Pritchard. I look forward to your company again next week. Well, and I'll, I will again broadcast from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard, where technology meets entertainment. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.